And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hope you're well. It's August. That means political conventions. We're going to talk about that on the podcast today. And we're going to talk about it uh, through a biblical lens, because on the podcast today, we have Pastor John MacArthur. Now, John MacArthur is the uh, senior pastor at Grace Community Church out in California. He's been in the news. He is basically saying, sorry, California, you're not going to tell me that I can't worship indoors at my church. And so he is doing that. Uh, the liberal media likes to say, define a court order. Uh, and John MacArthur says, no, wait a minute. Actually, I'm obeying God. And so he's going to talk about that situation on the podcast today. But more broadly, he's going to talk about the spiritual state of our nation and talk about how basically America has become a Jerry Springer show. And in that, he'll talk about politics and that it's really about morality and that conservative people are truth seekers and progressives just want to tear down and destroy. He says Donald Trump is fighting against evil and that Christians couldn't even possibly vote for someone uh, who would legalize killing babies in the womb or someone who advocated for transgenderism, etc. So he's going to lay all of that out on the podcast today and then you can come to your own conclusion. Uh, we're going to get into the Democratic National Convention here in the next block. Uh, so don't worry because I've got a lot to say about uh, AOC and boy, she did uh, quite a bit of damage in 97 seconds for sure. And this needle that Democrats have to thread uh, between uh, uh, basically uh, placating centrist moderate Democrats and catering to the progressive left of the party, it's a fine needle that they've got to thread because they need both um, constituents, if you will, on board. The problem is they may end up satisfying neither, and that could be a death knell in 2020. All right, uh, we're back in a moment. Don't forget, though, Pod's Honest Truth on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Also, John Solomon Report, Cheryl Atkinson's podcast as well, and uh, Scott Rasmussen by the number, all on the justthenews.com podcast network. Boy, we've got a lot of content, don't we? Back in a moment with Pastor John MacArthur and dissecting the Democratic National Convention next on the Pod's Honest Truth. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Before we get to our interview with Pastor John MacArthur, uh, let me opine, give some analysis, if you will, on the Democratic National Convention this week. Uh, it has been fascinating to watch all of these Republicans, and I'll put that in quotes or call them Republicans in name only, uh, but basically these are moderate Republicans, centrist Republicans, the John Kasichs of the world, who have come to this Democratic National Convention and just lavished praise on Joe Biden. Now, look, I get it. 
That's what Democrats want to happen. They want to appeal uh, to a broad swath of America to say, hey, we're not the crazy AOC party. Uh, We're not the party that wants to uh, tear down statues and not say anything about it, even though, oh, by the way, that's exactly what the Democrats have been doing. No, they want to appeal to this wider audience and appeal to those blue-collar, Midwestern, Rust Belt Democrats in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, etc., because that's the way they believe they can win back the White House. Here's the problem. You've got to get those folks on board, but you also need to get the uh, Bernie bros, right? I mean, the far left of the party needs to show up for you as well. You need the younger millennials. You need the far left enthusiasm and the activism. Now, the Democrats are banking on this idea that uh, Donald Trump, orange man bad, uh, will be the cure for all of this, that it won't matter whether or not uh, the Democrats are necessarily uh, pushing a centrist agenda or a far left agenda. Either way, whatever the agenda is, it's way better than what is in the White House now, which is, once again, orange man bad, Donald Trump. Uh, so they think that's going to be the common denominator. We'll see. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily subscribe to that view. I think that if you try to thread the needle and try to satisfy both blue collar Democrats in the Rust Belt and the progressive left, uh, which has the enthusiasm in this party right now, uh, you may end up satisfying neither. And that could be a death knell in 2020. So we'll see. Uh, By the way, speaking of AOC, boy, I tell you what, she only had, what, 60 seconds? She ended up going, I think, 90 seconds or or so. Uh, But boy, she's sure a a flamethrower and she didn't disappoint. Uh, She actually delivered a triple blow. She did three things. She endorsed Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I'm sure the Democrat Party officials love that. Uh, of course, Bernie, not really a true Democrat. He's a actually he's an independent socialist. She also never mentioned Joe Biden in her 90 seconds. And oh, by the way, she went into colonialism and xenophobia and she basically dissed America's past. So she got a lot done in 90 seconds. Good for her. Uh, but clearly they want uh, AOC. Look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that they want AOC to go away into hibernation until the morning of Wednesday, November 4th, where then at that point, if uh, Joe Biden wins, they can say, thanks, AC, come on board. You can be secretary of whatever. But for now, uh, could you please not say anything? Hence the reason for 60 seconds. All right. Time now for the state of the Democrat Party and the state of our country, if you will. And Pastor John MacArthur delves in to both. Uh, You know, he's been in the headlines a lot because he's been the pastor out there in uh, California who has basically said, I'm going to hold indoor worship services. You're not going to limit my freedom of expression, my my religious freedom of expression, uh, because in California, they have told him, no, you can't hold church indoors. He says, please give me a break. I'm going to obey God, not government. So we talk a little bit about that. Now, we've, we've done this before on the podcast with Pastor Rob McCoy out of Godspeed Cal- Calvary Chapel. Uh, With Pastor John MacArthur, I wanted to take it beyond that. So we'll talk about the church situation at the beginning, but then we're going to get into the spiritual state of our nation. And he's going to lay out, in essence, the biblical case as to why America is spiraling out of control and what that means for America and the church. And he gets into how this nation does look like the Jerry Springer show. And then he gets into something very interesting from a biblical perspective. He talks about God's wrath and abandonment, because he's basically saying when God pulls back his restraints, well, then you see all kinds of evil, 
He says we've seen it in the family, he talks about the sexual revolution of the 60s, and now we're seeing it with the police and law and order. So he gets into all of that. Here is Pastor John MacArthur on the Pod's Honest Truth. Pastor John MacArthur, thank you so much for joining me here. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my joy, David. Thank you for uh, giving me the privilege. Well, I, I would say, where do we begin? But why don't we just start with how are things now as it relates to the church and, and in California and kind of the legal fight that's going on? I mean, is this something that you, I'm assuming, have really never experienced before to, to, this, to this level, for sure? Yeah. Um, in 1978, we were sued for what was the first case in America of clergy malpractice. A young man who uh, was a university student attended our, our church, and uh, he uh, committed suicide. So the family sued us because they said preaching on sin exacerbated his predisposition to depression and led to his suicide. That case went on for 10 years, ended up in the U.S. Supreme Court. that referred it back to the California court, and the court gave us the victory in that. But for 10 years, we were exposed to the threat of not being able to counsel people or to preach the scripture if the courts decided that we were guilty when somebody took their life under some kind of depression. So that was a 10-year battle that was very interesting, but it didn't have anywhere near the impact that this current one does because in the situation now, they don't want us to have church. Mm -hmm. And that, that relates to the entire congregation and everything we do. So they've tried every way to stop it by um, putting health mandates on us that are so oner onerous and so utterly impossible that we couldn't even do them. And that was the idea to shut down a large church like ours because there was no way we could obey that. So to try to stop them from coming after us, we filed a, a court case. We won that case. They went to the appellate court at the last minute last Saturday, got it overturned. So currently, the church is under no temporary restraining order, which worked out great for us because we just went back to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. The place was full of people everywhere we could look. And it also was our first Sunday to have a thousand children back. We hadn't had Sunday school for six months. So mm -hmm. it was incredible. You say they're going after the church, basically. Uh, so, so we're going to call this what it is, religious discrimination. Is, is this basically the contention here? Yeah, because if you look at the fact that liquor stores and um, abortion clinics are essential and they're all allowed to be open, but a church is deemed not essential, so it was closed. All the churches were basically given these onerous uh, restraints. So, yeah, there's no question that it targeted that. Um, if, in, a, in California, there are 364 abortions a day. There'll be a, about 140,000 of them this year. So this isn't moral high ground. Uh, you, you can kill a baby here, but you just can't go to church. Yeah, and I wonder how much the Black Lives Matter protest uh, really factored into this in terms of uh, putting this all together, the calculation of what California officials did, the governor and others, and allowing that to happen, but not allowing you to have church. Was, was that kind of, a, in a way, a straw that broke the camel's back here to a degree? Yeah, right, and that, that is precisely how we argued our case. The last week, there were basically protests in Los Angeles for five straight days and nights. Massive crowds of people milling in the streets without, you know, regard for any of the supposed safety restraints. And there were previous uh, riots in L.A. 
that was fine. Nobody wanted to stop that, but, but you couldn't go to church. So it was obviously targeted, and they were obviously letting those who wanted to break down the order of this society, who wanted to do harm, have their day, but not those who are here to preach the gospel and, and, and do what is righteous. Yeah. Pastor MacArthur, let me ask you a little bit about the spiritual underbelly of all of this and what is what is going on in our nation and our culture today, because it seems like this didn't just kind of happen uh, if not, in a test tube. I mean, there, there seemed to, this seemed to be building for a very long time. And I'm wondering if you could address some of the spiritual state of our nation and as to how this has been kind of sucked up into the oxygen of all of that. Yeah, and, and there, are, there are two ways that I, I, that I would look at that, David. Number one is this. In Romans chapter 1, it says in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. No, nothing could ever be more defining of America than that we hold the truth in unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were founded on Judeo-Christian ethics, morals, and standards, the assumption was that uh, this state nation started because people wanted religious freedom that's buried deep into the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment. So if any nation has ever held the truth, we have. But we are holding it in unrighteousness. This nation, to be honest with you, sort of collectively looks like the Jerry Springer show. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that really is what Romans 1 tells us. Romans 1 says the wrath of God is revealed, and then it defines what that is. First of all, God gave them over to sexual immorality. That, that's the first thing that happens. That's in mm -hmm. Romans one twenty four. The second thing, God gave them over to homosexuality, verse 20, 20, um, 28. Mm -hmm. The third one, ver, verse 26 rather, verse 28 is he gave them over to a reprobate mind. So what wrath is this? Well, it's not eschatological wrath. It's not eternal wrath. It is the wrath of abandonment when God abandons a nation to its own sins. When God pulls back his restraints, what will you see? A sexual revolution followed by a homosexual revolution followed by a reprobate mind. And out of that reprobate mind at the end of the chapter comes all kinds of evil. Mm -hmm. And it also says, even though they know these things bring about death, they not only do them, but they applaud the people who do them. So that's the sort of Jerry Springer idea. So we're living in a time, people say, well, the wrath of God must be near. No, we're in it. And the evidence is we've gone through the sexual revolution, through the homosexual revolution. And when you get the reprobate mind, what would that look like? Well, that would be when you're a man, but you think you're a woman. That's when you've reached a level of insanity. The other way I look at it is this, biblically speaking, we have a collision of sinners in the world. We're all fallen. The wages of sin is death, and everybody dies. So how does God restrain sin so society can flourish for his redemptive purposes and his glory? He has to put restraints. Restraint number one is the law of God written in the heart, and the weapon is the conscience. So what needs to happen if you want to get rid of that is you rewrite the law, you turn morality on its head, turn it inside out, and then tell people if they have a guilty conscience, they shouldn't because they're better than that. They shouldn't feel shame. So you, you do everything you can to assault the conscience and assault the law written in the heart. The next restraint is the family. So if you want to get rid of that, you destroy the family. Every way possible, you go after the family. We get that. Uh, that's what's been going on for decades now. The third restraint is the police. 
So are we surprised when the police are now under assault? They've already done in the human conscience. They've done in the family, and now they're after the police, defund the police, spit on the police. Right. That, that's the third restraint, government, Romans 13. The fourth restraint is the church. The church is salt and light in the world, so let's go after the church. This is a systematic, satanically inspired assault on all the divine restraints in the world. We shouldn't be surprised that it's happening because it's folded into the very wrath of God where he turns over a society to their sinful choices and the consequences are inevitable. Yeah, this is all fascinating to me. You know, I cover politics and the culture is not only upside down, our politics are so divisive right now. And not that I want you to necessarily opine on the politics, though I am curious with an election coming up and you've got uh, a president and talk about a president. God uses imperfect people for sure for his perfect will. Uh, but you've got religious freedom trying to be protected by this administration. And you have another a potential administration coming along that might narrow, if not eliminate some of those freedoms. How concerned are you about the politics of all of this? Well, uh, to me, it, it's not politics as such, it's morality. Mm -hmm. um, and let me start at the, at the beginning point. The conservative people, and I think this is generally true, conservative people are truth seekers. Mm -hmm. This is true even of young conservative millennials. They want to know the truth. They have an open mind to know the truth. I, I've been asked now to write a column regularly for the Daily Wire. That's mm -hmm. a millennial group of people and they're wanting to know the truth. On the other hand, liberal and progressive millennials just want to tear down. They just want to destroy. And you know, the most dangerous person in a society is the person who doesn't believe anything. You know, if, yeah. if you don't believe anything, you're the most dangerous person there is because if you've got nothing to lose, how do we control you? So you have one side of this political spectrum where destruction is the means of everything and you have the others trying to find the truth. Uh, we can say, thank God that we have a president who's conservative, surrounded by people who care about the truth and who believe in moral righteousness and moral good and are fighting against evil. Look, I, no politician is going to be everything we want. The question is not politics, it's morality. Mm -hmm. A Christian couldn't possibly vote for someone who would legalize killing babies in the womb. That's premeditated murder at the worst point. Hmm. Or somebody who advocated immorality, homosexuality, transgender activity, who wanted to outlaw conversion therapy. All of those things are baked into the platform of the Democratic Party. This hmm. is not about social views. This is not about economic views. This is a battle between biblical morality and what's left of it and outright blatant sin. And for a believer, there's only one possible way you can go, go, and that is to vote for righteousness, for the honor of God, and to allow the society to flourish in God's redemptive purpose. Hmm. The, my final question to you as we wrap up here, a micro question and a macro question as to how you at the church and others go about kind of fighting the battle ahead of you. How, how do you plan to do that? And from a macro standpoint, how does the church writ large uh, try to figure out a way to have final victory or at least victory here on this earth uh, on, on issues of morality and religious freedom? I, I read the ending and we win. 
<laughs> Christ, Christ said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And Paul said, we always triumph in Christ. So we win in the end, but we don't win by folding up. We win by fighting the fight. The apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight. When he went into a town, he didn't ask what the hotel was like. He asked what the jail was like, because that's where he knew he'd be staying. Mm. That never has threatened faithful believers. We have made heroes out of people who have gone against magistrates and gone against sovereigns and gone against kings through all of church history. We have, we have honored and adored the underground churches and the churches that met when it was against the law. And it's still going on. There's not a day that goes by that I don't read about a church that was burned or a pastor that was killed in India or some part of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. This is nothing new for the church. The church in America needs to be the church. So you ask what we're going to do. We're just going to be in church. We're going to be here every single week. And last Sunday uh, was the first Sunday we, we invited all the children back. Uh, we hadn't had Sunday school for six months, which is a travesty. Uh, against those children and those families. So we had a thousand little kids pouring into Grace Church last Sunday. We had balloons everywhere to welcome them back. Every nook and cranny of the place was filled. Whatever happens to us, we're gonna be the church. We're gonna stand up. This is the time to, to fight and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ far and wide. And as a result of that, David, we're having people who don't normally go to the church come to find out what's going on and they're hearing the gospel. Even better news. Pastor John MacArthur, an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate it. Uh, my joy. Thanks. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That is Pastor John MacArthur here on the Pod's Honest Truth with some strong uh, biblical words today on the podcast. Hey, before we leave you, uh, some quick final notes or at least a quick comment about God and the Democratic Party. Uh, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, so just don't, don't take it from me. I mean, just Google Democratic officials and God. They have been very concerned for a very long time about the direction of this party. I mean, pro-life Democrats have been pretty much ostracized. Uh, they're gone. They're to the side. It's a very minuscule part of the party. Uh, talk of God has pretty much disappeared. Now, I know the Biden campaign is trying to uh, re-inject faith into the campaign. You know, Believers for Biden is their, is their big uh, group there. And, you know, Barack Obama, of course, talked about uh, hope and change and, uh, you know, love your neighbor and fellow man and all that stuff. Great. Knock yourself out on the social justice part of it. But 
the truth of the matter is for blue collar Democrats, the ones that voted for Trump, the ones that are in the, you know, whether it be, you know, Michigan or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, they get it. Okay, they understand that the Democratic Party has gone away from traditional values. And there are Democrats in this country that do have culturally traditional values. That's who Donald Trump appealed to. Uh, and because the, the, the Democrats have pretty much gone away from that and they've gone away from talk of God and family and country and patriotism and all of that. Instead, you know, don't kneel for the national anthem and knock yourself out if you want to take down a Christopher Columbus statue and all that stuff. It, it's gotten far, far away from the culturally center Democrat in this country. And I'm not quite sure if they can win those folks back if they continue down this path. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure they can't. And that is Donald Trump's hope in 2020, uh, that he'll have to get uh, those blue-collar Democrats, the ones that he won over in 2016, many of them uh, Christians, um, that they checked the white evangelical box, many of them white Catholics. Those are the folks that Donald Trump is relying on to stay with him in 2020. Democrats think they can get some of those folks back, but I'm not sure they can do it. That's the pod's honest truth. Until next time, America. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 